thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you that um, uh, you uh, give this to us uh, for a revelation of you, even though it doesn't reveal all of you. Lord, you're, you're much greater than your word, but you've shared with us who you are and, and how you want us to behave and in and, and response to um, our, uh, our love for you and which and our response is because you loved us first. So Lord, I um, pray that you will speak through me, use me in whatever way that you would this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to try to finish that up this morning. Uh, I always, always want to say it's the Lord wills because um, sometimes he has other, uh, other plans and that's just fine. He, uh, I've told him, you know what, I'm going to try to listen ahead of time and be ready. Uh, but if he ever wants to interrupt, that is just fine with me. He can break in and do whatever he wants to. So Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start with uh, verse 17, okay? Um, all right. One thing about our girls is they, um, they love musicals, especially, um, well, pretty much any musicals, actually, uh, to, to the point that I've gotten so far as to say, you know, musicals should be seen and not heard. <laughs> but no, they, they love them. They, they get into these musicals and these movies, and um, we hear the songs, we hear the, the quotations, and right recently it's been about Aladdin. They have been, uh, they, we've seen Aladdin recently, and they have been uh, singing Aladdin, dancing to Aladdin, and quoting Aladdin. And... Um, there, there's a point in, in the movie where, you know, um, Aladdin has gotten out of the, the, the pit and he's with the, the genie and, and he, um, uh, the genie's like, well, what do you want to wish for? And he said, well, there's this girl. And the genie said, well, I can't make anybody love someone else. He said, no, 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 no there's, there, she's a princess. She said, well, aren't they all princesses? You know, you should treat, every, treat your woman like a queen. You see, he said, no, 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 no. There's a connection between us. He's like, well, if there's a connection between you, what you need me for? Right? He said, no, she's got ma- to marry a prince. Can you make me a prince? And most of the movie, when you, when you watch the movie, it's, it's about, you know, is this guy, Aladdin, is it? Does he need to be someone else in order to be in love with the princess? Or is it enough just to be him? Just to be who he is? And I believe what God wants is for us all to be who we are. Now the question is, is who are you? But we need to be who we are this morning. And... Um, Look, look with me in verse 17. It says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. 
just um, pause right there a second. We need to be who we are. We need to be who we are. Well, what Paul is doing, he's, he's giving the, the, at the outset of um, if those who are apart from Christ oftentimes live out who they are. Now, I've, I've met a lot of people who do not know Jesus who are great people. In fact, a lot of them are better than a lot of Christians I've met, unfortunately. But I've also known that there's a lot of those who do not have Jesus that um, they act like who they are. Their mind is darkened. Their understanding is, is, is darkened. They do not have a hope and they do not, are not held to the higher standards that we should be held to. In fact, I, I've heard people, Christians, who have been around uh, non-Christians and the non-Christians maybe are telling filthy jokes or swearing or something and the Christians say, look at them and say, thank you very much. Thank you for acting the way that you really are, are supposed to act because you are not regenerated. You're not born again. And the thing is, when someone is not born again, they really do not have the higher standard that, that we should have, right? They may act in a way that is not becoming. I was reminded last night before the movie that not everybody is held to the higher standard that we have because there were previews in the movie that were just not good. <laughs> they were really, really bad, and I apologize for that, but the movie was great. Um, but you know what? I, the, the, those who are not Christians, I want us to not be upset with if they're not being held to the higher standard that we have. Mm -hmm. See, it's, very, it's our temptation to um, to see someone who is not a Christian and to think that they should act as a Christian should act. And then we'll get upset. We'll get upset with them for behaving in a way that really, without Christ, they should be behaving in any way. We can transfer that to the government. Well, I'm so upset. Well, they're not regenerate. We can transfer that to our family members who act in sometimes often a very ignorant way, shall we say. You, say, oh, you can be upset with them, but if they're not a Christian, then we really don't have anything to be upset with about them. Because they're, they're, they are acting in such a way that that's how they really should act. Now, we should ask them, we should hope that they would overcome that and, and do, be the best person that they should be. But truly, they do not have a, the God of the universe living inside of them that is helping them to make the good choices. So as we're dealing with non-Christians, whether that is in our family, whether that's our friends, whether that's people that we work with or work for, whether that's the people that um, decide to uh, pass on 32 in the no-passing zones, like going up hills and stuff, it's a lot, it's really easy to be upset with those people and to say some things that you really shouldn't, shouldn't say. But they're more than likely, I'm hoping they're not Christian because Christians I'm hoping will behave, will behave a lot better. But we should not say those, uh, you know, we, we should re realize that they are not 
operating from the same place that we are. By the way, this is going to make us better evangelists because we realize where people are without Christ. Right? Number one, we need to realize that people without Jesus are, are going to hell. And I hate to say that, but that's what the Bible says. And if we don't, if we don't keep that in front of us, then we won't believe that we really need to share the gospel with them. We need to realize that they really don't have a hope where we really have a hope. They really don't have the, the options that we have, the option to, to actually make a good choice and, and to, to say, okay, I'm going to live the way that God is, has put inside of me to live. I'm going to live in holiness and righteousness and purity, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to accept the good things that God has for me. They don't have that. So when we're looking at, at those who are not Christians, I'm, what I'm saying is we need to have a lot of grace. Not anger. We need to have a lot of mercy and kindness. We need to, to look at them and say, boy, you need Jesus. Let me show you. Let me, let me, let me love you through this. Let me offer the love of Christ to you. Even when you are, when, when, right now you don't have any hope, but let me show you the hope. Let me show you the love. So they may be darkened in their understanding. They may be, like what Paul's saying, they're, they're walking in a way that, that we are not supposed to walk. We need to meet them where they are, but you are different. You should be who you are. This is a um, this is a change of heart, okay? We need to make sure our hearts are open to those who are not Christian, that we're giving them grace, mercy, love, not anger and contempt. But you be who you are. Now, number two, look look at this. Um, Verse, sorry, verse 20 says, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth, truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old man. A lot, a lot of translations say self, right? Who did, what did your translation say? Verse 22? Self. self? Okay. Um, the, the word there is, is, is man. It's a, lot, it's a lot better because what Paul is... I'll, I'll get into that in just a second. So lay aside the old man which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Okay, pause right there. What, what, what's, what's, what's Paul saying here? This is a kind of a theological concept. We've talked about it a little bit before so I'm not, I don't want to labor it intensively, but the old man is Adam. Okay? As in Adam, all die. Right? So as in Christ, all shall be made alive. First Corinthians. Right? 
So you're either in one of two men. You're either in Adam, right? Or you're in Christ. When, when God sees the world, he sees ba- basically the, the progeny of one of two men. Adam or Jesus? Adam or Jesus? In Adam all die. If you're in Jesus, you live. Okay? So that's what, what that Paul's making this, this dichotomy. All right? Put off the old man. That's not who you are anymore. Is what he's saying. You used to be the seed of the old man. Used to be. But if you have put on Christ, you are a new creation. You're a new creature. You have something totally different about you. You are not the old person anymore. You got it? It says, in the likeness of God. Why, why is it in the likeness of God? Because you have put, Jesus is the likeness of God. Right? And you put on Christ. He comes and li- the Holy Spirit comes and lives in your heart. Isn't that cool? You are totally different. So what, what's Paul saying? He said, look guys, there is a split. There is the old man that you used to be in. And you used to do what, like I, I just had mentioned before, you used to live however you wanted to. Because that, because you were in the old man, you were in the sin. But when you chose Christ, you're totally different. Don't have chosen Christ and live like you don't. Hello, right? Oftentimes, we're in Christ, but we live like we're not. And I'm not just talking about sin. Sometimes it is sin. Sometimes it's we don't. We don't live with all the, the blessings and promises or, or, the, or the hope, the, the life, the, the peace, the grace that we have because we have put on Jesus. Live like the new man that you are. And I'm, I'm saying man there, okay, because we have put on the man Jesus who is perfect, who is holy, who is righteous, who is all-sufficient, who did not do anything wrong, who, who obeyed the Father and everything. That is who we have put on. Who has access to the Father. Be who you are. Don't be who you used to be. Be who you are. As we, as we look at this, we need, we need to change, get rid of the stinking thinking, right? We've got to get, get right in our hearts and in our minds who we are in Christ. It, it's, a change of, it's a change of attitude. It's a change of philosophy. It, it, if, if we are continually thinking that we, we are, we're just going to get into heaven by the, by the skin of our teeth, that we've got a God up there who's just waiting for us to mess up so he can bat us on the head with a baseball bat. 
right? If we if we if we're if we're if we're stuck in that sort of thing, then it's gonna it's gonna impact how we act. But if we if we realize that we are the apple of God's eye, think about that. I, I did this before uh, several weeks ago, but but say this with me. Say, say I'm God's favorite. One more time, because I'm not sure you believe yourself when you say that. Okay? I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. Now, how can every one of us be God's favorite? I'm not really quite sure, but, but we are. He loves you so much. We need to get that in our hearts, in our minds, that, that, we, that we see ourselves as the apple of God's eye. That we, we look up we look up at him and he he realizes that he looks down at us. Right? He says, I love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. I you you are my favorite child. Be who you are. Be who you have been created to be. By God. Before I, I read on, let, let me. We're gonna have a pop quiz this morning, okay? That's why it's a pop quiz. <laughs> Who? Okay. Who here can name the Ten Commandments? Okay. In order? Yeah, let's let's go in order. Okay. No other gods. I should probably should be a lowercase lowercase G. Okay. No. Um, what's two? I heard it. No idols. Okay. No name in vain. By by the way, some people number them just a little bit differently, but that's okay. Um, there's there's still ten of them and the the text is still the same, all right. Okay. Keep Sabbath. Okay. Here you go. Honor parents. You all should have said that one. <laughs> Six? Okay. Uh, don't kill. Seven. Yep, that's along down the line just a little bit. What's that? Thinking of people, not 
that, yeah, that's fine. Um, we we can we can talk about the, the just, we can talk about the just war later. Okay, uh, seven is what? Okay, eight. Don't steal. Don't lie. And ten. All right. By the way, the um, if you're in the Bible study, I'm sure you'll memorize these. Please memorize them. This is really something good, just to to have in your toolbox. All right. Um, now then, let me do this real. Okay, you know what those are. All right, I'm just going to write write it this way. All right, you've got the Decalogue, right? One through ten. Deca is what? Ten. Log it, log logos is from word. So you've got the ten words, right? Ten commandments. So you got you got the ten commandments. Now then, for next week, this is what I want you all to do. Memorize Leviticus. Some of y'all are going, uh huh. <laughs> All right. But now, here's here's where I'm going with this. All right, in the Old Testament. But by, by the way, um, I'll, I'll get there in a second. In the Old Testament, you have all of these laws. Okay, you have the Ten Commandments. You have all of these Levitical laws that tell you um, how you should act with, uh, you know, inside the family and with your neighbor's um, ox, and what you should do if, you know, you borrow an ox and the ox dies, or if some, if you find somebody who's been killed in between two cities, and and if somebody's in the field, or yeah, there's all of these different laws, in. in um, but all of them for the New Testament, okay? God said, I'm going to take all of this and put it here. So, by the way, so what, what were the Ten Commandments made out of? Stone, Stone right? The, the the first watch this this is this is only God can do something like this the the first set it was made entirely by God right God carved out the stone however he did that right written by the finger of God handed to Moses right Moses goes down the hill and kaboom shatters him God says you carve out the stone, then I'll write it. Right? So the next set of commandments right, were a combination. Man-God. Right? But what God says, I'm going to take out 
in the New Covenant, I'm going to take out the heart of stone. And instead, I'm going to put my spirit Okay? I'm going to take out the heart of stone. I'm going, to put, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit within you. So what happens to the law? Well, it's written on our hearts. The Holy Spirit comes within us to tell us what we are supposed to do, how we are supposed to do it. Now, that's not to say that we can ignore... We, 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 we can get to a point we don't listen. We can get to a point that we ignore the Holy Spirit. We can get to a point that we stop up our ears and say, I don't want to hear you. I'm going to go the other way. Don't do that. Okay? Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to tell us how we should act. We don't have to go through Leviticus anymore. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay? All right? The bulk of the New Testament, the bulk of the New Testament is not you shalls and you shall nots. The bulk of it is not that. The bulk of it is Jesus loves you and this is how you should live because of it. It's not a, a, all, the, all the you shall nots. But right here, Paul is going to give us a few of the things that we should and shouldn't do. All right? And I'll tell you why I believe he's done this here in just a moment. Um, look at verse 25 with me. It says, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, I'm going to read these through, and then I'm going to come back and kind of expound on each one of them a little bit. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he, be, he must labor performing with his own hands what's good so that he will have something to share with um, one who's in need. Let no... Um, what, what, what's the word you have there? Uh, our mindset is unwholesome. Corrupting. Um, the, the word there is rotten. If you, you ever had any vegetables or fruit or something that just goes really bad? That, that's what it's... Let no rotten word proceed out of your mouth, but only such as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Paul wants us to be who we are. And why I believe he gives these is it's not, it's not a you shall and you shall not. What he's trying to do, I believe more than anything, is to preserve the unity in the church. He wants to make sure that the, the church is a unified body of believers. These things are more for us with one another. Not to say you shouldn't do 
that with people outside the church, okay? But these are more for how do you behave? Laying aside falsehoods, speak truth each with, uh, this is verse 25, each with one of you with his neighbor, if we are members of one body. Do you see that? Verse 25, we're members of one, one body. So speak, speak truth. Look, it should go without saying that you know, it was, what, number, number nine there. But don't lie to each other. Make sure we're always, uh, this, this is kind of the, if you will, the easiest one to really just, is, is pretty straightforward. Don't lie. Let's make sure we're giving each other the truth in grace and in love. Right? Oftentimes, oftentimes we, we, we like to try to slide things through. <laughs> no, we, we need to be truth tellers. All right? That doesn't mean you go up to somebody. The, the classic, the classic <laughs> example is if your wife says, does this make me look fat? Okay. <laughs> does this make me look old? Okay. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying you, you, you go and you slap somebody and say, um, here, here's your sign, right? Okay, this is, right? What, what you do, you're not lying. You're speaking the truth with grace and with love, with kindness with gentleness, because we're one body. Okay? If, 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 right, think, remember what we were just talking about, the Holy Spirit's inside of us? The Holy Spirit is in me. He's in Tim, right? Holy Spirit's in Steve. Holy Spirit's in Lynn, right? And Carolyn. How does the Holy Spirit in you want you to behave toward um, the Holy Spirit who's in someone else. Right? He wants you to behave because He loves you and He loves Steve and He loves Ruth and He, lo- right? he loves Anne. Right? He, he, he's saying, I want you to behave to them because in the same way that I want them to behave to you because I love both of you. We're going to get into that a little bit more here in just a moment. This is a fun one. Verse 26. Be angry. I thought, you know, I should write a sermon sometime that says, get mad. <laughs> but t- um, who, who, are the, who are my English folks in here? What is an imperative? A command. This is an imperative. I could, you know, there, there are certain places, certain... I could probably get run, run out of the pulpit just for saying that. That the Bible is, gives an imperative that says, be angry. It's a command. I need to read the rest of it. Be angry, yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. So, this opens up a huge can of worms. But if we are supposed to be angry... Because that's a command, right? What do we be angry at? You know, I was saying, who, who lives on the inside of us? Okay. Right? The Lord lives on the inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus has put his spirit within us. What does God get angry at? <laughs> 
Now, I, I did a little, I did a little bit of research. Okay. For the bulk of it, whose sin does God get angry at? Well, if if you if you look through the Old Testament, his people, his people who've gone astray, he gets upset with. Now, there are certain there are a few verses in there where he, you know, like Psalm two, where it says, um, you know, uh, do homage to the sun, lest he become come angry and you perish in the way. But the the bulk of it, God gets upset at his people. Who know better? And they rebel and they go the other way. Now you look back to Noah. You know, Noah, God sees that everybody's gone into sin and he's grieved. But he gets angry at the sin of his people that know better. Who does Jesus get angry at? Watch this. What, what, what's probably the, the biggest act of anger that Jesus has? Well, where was that at? Temple? Okay. They had made the temple into something that it wasn't supposed to be. What's the new temple? Now then. Let me take this. Let me take this one more step, okay? Because I don't want you. I don't want to leave you at that. All right. We're supposed to be angry at the sin that God is angry with. All right. How many of you, since you've become a Christian, have been in such sin that God got really, really miffed with you? You can say. God was really upset at me for, you know, and he, he, was, he was threatening to destroy me, right? How many, how many of you God really got upset with? And you knew it. Boy, everybody's not jumping up it. <laughs> now, this should be the gauge, I believe, at how often you should be angry at sin. How often does God get angry? And I believe he does. I believe that there are times, especially when his people are getting hurt, whether that's from the outside, you know, people who are not Christian hurting people, or, or his people that are hurting each other. Okay? How often should we be angry? It's, this is not a license to be angry. Okay? You should be angry at sin as often as God is angry at the sin. And if he's not been really, really miffed with you, we probably don't have the right to be really upset at others. Now, are there times that God gets angry? Absolutely. Are there times that we should be angry? Absolutely. It's a command. But we need to make sure that we're being angry when God's angry. Not when we're angry. When God is angry, then we can be angry. Now, 
along with command, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That does not mean you get angry and I'm going to hold it against so-and-so because they just did X, Y, and Z and forever I'm going to be, right? No. It means you get angry because God's angry and then you let it go. Because if you hold on to it, it's an opportunity. The devil, it says, don't give the devil an opportunity. So you might, the command is be angry as God is angry. It also is, don't let the sun go down on your anger. So if you get angry because God is, but then you said, I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay angry, now you're in trouble. This is a tough one. Again, I think we should be angry about as much as when God is. And if he hasn't been really angry at any of you, you have, you know it, we're probably not supposed to be angry that much. He's a God of love and grace and mercy. Does he hate sin? Absolutely. Should we hate sin? We can hate sin without being angry over it. You always invited us to ask. Please. Um, it's not a trick question. Just yeah. Sometimes, you know, it, it goes hand in hand, I guess, with the guilt and the repentance. Pastor Kevin, you want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, so, I, I would, I would say, be careful with it. Okay. Be very careful with it. So, should should you should you hate the sin? Yes. Should it be something where you say, "Man, it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. It just makes me sick. It just." It, it's it's putrid, yeah, absolutely. Um, but still, that's what you did, not who you are. Right, right. You so separate your who from your do. That's what you're There you go, there you go. So, but I would say be careful with the anger, because um, who are you getting angry at? You're getting angry at yourself. So only be angry when God's angry. If God's not angry at you. I would say, be careful. Like I said, that doesn't mean you go, hey, sin's okay. No. Sin should make you sick. Not phys- I mean, it should make you, s- it, you should have an issue with it. It should be, it should be nasty to you. Mm-hmm. And, there's a, and there's a point you should say, I can't believe I did that. Oh, that's awful. We'll get to that in just a second. Okay. But that should, that's, it should make you feel bad. Right? But remember the Holy Spirit convicts doesn't condemn all right and there's a huge difference the devil condemns and brings guilt not the holy spirit the holy spirit is um is love his 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 goal is not to make you feel bad but to bring you closer amen Hates the sin, loves the person. So be angry, but do not sin. And do not let the sun go down in your anger. Do not give the devil an opportunity, because if if you stay in the anger issue, it's an open door. And the the devil will have his way with it. 
He who steals, verse 28, he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with the one who is in need. The, the, idea, the idea here is, um, I, I, you know, I, I, the, word, the word is, is steal. It's, it's um, kleptos, or you know, get kleptomaniac. Okay, it's, it, it, is, it is steal, but I think it's more, you know, even to the church. How much are you taking, how much are you taking from the church rather than giving? Part of it could be literally stealing. Don't don't go and, and steal, you know, not just from the church but from the outside. You know, don't don't be someone who who just who just sits around and um, tries to get things from ill-gotten gain, and just live off of those. But you you want to be productive. You want to be a productive member of society, and a productive member of the church. Because the the point is not to get but to give. The point is not to just to, to get, it's to give. How, how can you give to those who are in need of, of your, the three T's, of your time, your talent, and your treasure? Okay? You might say, I don't have that much treasure to give, but you, I bet you have time. Or you might have a talent. Or you might say, I don't have much time, but I've got a lot of treasure to give. Or you might say, you know, I, I don't have... I don't have that much time or that much treasure, but I have a talent that I can, I can share. I can teach somebody else, or maybe I'm a really good cook, and I can, I can give my cooking away. I, or, you know, Lynn smiled. I'm like, we found that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thinking, you know, Lynn, Lynn is a master with gardens and plants and, and stuff, Okay. We can I, can I tell you I've I've killed mint, all right. That's hard. It's like it's like it's like trying to make a, a weed grow and it not the weed not growing, all right. And I I've, I've succeeded at at killing that. Okay, <laughs> that's not all right. Lynn Lynn has a tr- a talent to, to you know that she can give, and all, so a lot of other you have those talents, or the time, the treasure. Don't steal, but give. Verse 29. Boy, where's the time gone? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. No rotten word. Nothing that that will, you know, we've had had fruit or something that's sat around too long or a package of, of meat, you know, that you put in the... You may put put a package. You know, you you gotten some hamburger or something stuck in the trash can and sat in the trash can for a few days. How's it? You're like, do you, do you go over there and go, ooh, I'm going to go out on a date tonight? And you go, can you? <laughs> right? Hello? No, it's rotten. What's the stuff coming out of your mouth? Let no rotten word proceed from your mouth. But only such a word that's good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Is what's coming out of your mouth, is it going to build somebody up? Is it going to add more grace to them? Are they going to walk away going, man, I, every time I talk to, to um, 
Every time I talk to Carolyn, I feel better. Every time, every time I get around Tom, I just feel like a better person. Or does somebody get around and go, I don't really want to talk to them because I, I walk away feeling terrible. I feel terrible about, my, about myself. I feel terrible about how I do my job. I feel terrible about, right? That's going to bring unity. When we're always, if, if we all with each other are always edifying and always giving more grace, always building people up, we don't stink with our mouths, right? It's going to bring unity and everybody's going to be encouraged. Let no rotten word, word, not even a whole, don't let even a, a word come out of your mouth. It's not for building up that doesn't give grace. I am running out of time. Do not, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The, and grieve there, it's, it's, make, make, it's actually two things. For the, for the New Testament, mostly it's to, to sadden. There are some instances with this word means actually to anger. But people that we need to, as I was saying, I won't, I won't labor this a lot, but we need to realize that the Holy, the, this, this could actually be translated, probably even better translated, do not grieve the Spirit who is holy. Do not grieve the Spirit who is holy. If He is holy, and he is inside of you. How does he want you to act? Now listen. It's his job, if we will listen, to tell us what he wants us to work on at this point or another. This is not a legalistic thing where you need to be, you, 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 once you walk out this door, you better be holy or else. All right? I'll come and see you. I know where you live. Right? No, that's not that's not what the Holy Spirit's about. He's He's love. He's gentle. He's He's kind. He, he wants you to be holy, and He will. He He's so He's so good. He, you know, if you when you just come to Christ, a lot of times He does a great huge work. But a lot of times He says, you know what? I'm going to take one thing at a time because if I show them everything that's a mess in their life, they will be, they will feel like they're a terrible person. I'm just going to take them through one step at a time. And let him take you through that. He's good like that. But listen. Don't grieve him. Look, I, the, the Holy Spirit is going to come in here in such power. I felt like the, the level of anointing is just raising and raising and raising. Look, the more, we, the more the Holy Spirit hangs around, the more he wants us to, to not grieve him. We need to make sure our actions are holy. Not because it's legalistic, but because we have our friend here who we love and we would not want to offend. Okay? Verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, uh, slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is almost kind of a, 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 a it builds. Alright? If you get bitter... You will you'll start to get wrathful. 
right? You'll, you can get and stay in anger. Clamor is being, being loud. You're upset and you're loud and you let everybody know about it. To the point you slander somebody, you start saying bad things about someone. And be put away, um, let's see, let all that be put away from you along with all malice. But here's, here's the thing. Be kind to one another. Instead of doing all that, be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as, in the same way that God in Christ has forgiven you. Now, I was, I was reading the commentaries and they all emphasize, look, how has God forgiven you? Does, do, do you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I blew it. And he says, yes, you did. And you're going to have to do so much penance if I'm ever going to forgive you for that. Lord, I blew it. Yes, you did. And I'll be angry at you for the next 30 days. Does he come to you and say, do you remember when you blew, blew it X, Y, and Z time 10, 15, 20 years ago? And the same way that God forgives you, and this is what the Bible says, when God forgives you, He casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. He puts it in the sea of forgetfulness. If you were to come back to Him and say, Lord, do you remember, I, I remember last month, I really blew it. I did X, Y, and Z, and I just, I just Lord, I, I'm so upset with myself that I did that. And the Lord, I, I can just see the Lord going up there going, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what you, I don't know what you're saying. Why? Because he's already forgiven it. He's forgiven it. He's let it go. He's he's cast it away. That it's gone. How does God do that? I don't know. But that's the forgiveness of God for us. And what he's, he's, he's wanting us to be held to that same standard. How do we forgive each other? <laughs> it is. But instead of being bitter, angry, slanderous, wrathful, what he says is, gentle and kind, tender-hearted towards one another. And forgive each other in the same way that He has forgiven us. In the same manner that He's forgiven us. Which means, if I blow it, I say, Tom, dude, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Tom looks at me and says, you're forgiven and I, have, I will not hold on to that any longer. It's gone. The relationship's restored. Are we being who we are? Paul wants us to be who we are. Who we are is we're giving grace to the world, right? Where they, where they can receive grace. We're, we're realizing where they are so that we can minister to them. Who, who we are is realizing who we are in Christ, 
that we are a new creation. We're not going to live that way. And it's, not, it's about realizing the love of God he has for us. What an amazing, glorious thing. And we're going to act in the way that we're supposed to act. Not because it's going to make us more of a child of God. Right? But because we are a child of God, this is how we, this is how we act towards one another. We're going to, so we can have unity in the body and love towards each other. We're going to act who we are. Be who you are. Let's pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and that you would um, show us who, show us the love that you have for us. There's someone here that they just need to know how much you love them. They're caught up in the guilt and the condemnation and they just need to know that you love them more than anything else in life. Lord, I pray that for those that you would comfort them, that you would give them peace and grace and Lord, shower your love upon them. Lord, I know there's others in here who have said, you know what, there's a bunch of these things that I'm not living up to. <laughs> Lord, I pray that you will, um, for those in here that need to make a change of attitude, a change of heart, give them grace. Give them grace. Give them time. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you wouldn't quit working on them. Keep drawing them to you. Keep, keep showing them the things that they need to work on in the loving and kind and gentle way that you have. But don't quit. And I pray that you'll give everybody the ability to follow you and to, to act and be who we are and to do that with each other all the time. So that we, as a, as a church, as a, as a body of believers, that we can fully be who we are with you. That we can be unified. That we can be unified together going forward in you. In Jesus' name, amen.